everybody, welcome back to Artificially Unintelligent. So today is the first of hopefully many podcasts where we bring in a few friends of ours who are either working in AI or researching in AI. And today we're going to talk about recommendation systems and especially how they're used in practice in industry at the moment. So a big portion will be spent on social media and how recommendation systems are used there. And today are with us like Ikin, who is working for Run AI, which is basically a GPU orchestration company, and Tim, who is also studying AI at the Technical University of Munich. And he's especially like more focused or on the mathematical side of AI. So it's quite interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, let's dive right in. William, what have you been up to the last few weeks? I have been becoming an expert on XGBoost, but it's so annoying. Why? <laughs> I think XGBoost is really fun. Yeah, but they, they, they don't provide enough information, so I have to go through C++ code to, in order to understand it, and it takes very long. That, that, that sounds so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> repositories is like just I, I I'm very I don't know in awe of the software engineers who can like keep their minds together and understand like there's so many abstract concepts I find always yeah why why don't you try to translate it to Python yeah yeah but that's yeah. No, it's uh, really that's for me the main use case where I'm using ChatGPT for because it's it's really good at that. To take a whole repository and just say like, hey, this is what it means. You have to go like one by one, yeah, of course, but <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, but the thing is, is like one one uh, file might depend on like thousand others, you know, that communicate all over the place which is really yeah but then you will never be able to understand it if you have to commit to like every file yeah but i feel like yeah, i don't know I... how why do you need to uh, it's like the principle behind xgboost isn't so complicated no like that, that's fine but it's when you set it up in a, uh, on distributed gpus and like how it um, kind of aggregates the results together i want to know because we're submitting a paper and if they uh, ask me about these questions, then I would need to know or like cite some work. Yeah. And there is no work. So have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. If, if you have huge software packages like that, it's mainly that somewhat they, they, they pull in layers and layers and layers of interfaces, abstractions. Like you basically have so much code that does nothing and just yeah. wrangles data around and is used in many, many different places. And it all makes sense if you look at it long enough and then it like it, it's really smart and it, extendable. But if you really just want to understand how it goes, it's horrible. I, I don't know, so I'm prepared. Yeah, so I, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I've been up to. But yeah, how about you guys? Again? I haven't heard you yet. Uh, not much working and I'm in Istanbul right now. So vibing, <laughs> uh, nice. uh, so yeah, like that. I never okay. been there actually. Do you, by, uh, do you know Yigit by any chance? Uh, it's her name. <laughs> it's, I, I will butcher that completely. Chana Loglu? Probably not. No, <laughs> he's a, like he's also Tom uh, from Istanbul stuff like that. He said he knows you from somewhere. Okay, <laughs> Istanbul uh, vibe. Okay, Istanbul. Vibe. Yeah. I've actually never been. I have to go to Istanbul sometimes. First yes. podcast trip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm gonna wait here for you. <laughs> uh. No, uh, for me it's I think pretty similar. It's just basically um uh, because for my master thesis, I now have to think about like how to best set up the the entire system, and 
it's like I'm just throwing myself into different research papers and trying to define like a system how I can put them together in the best way so I can get like the end result I want to have. And it's probably recommendation systems will be included. <laughs> what what kind of system are are we talking about? Okay, um I'm my master thesis at is at Buddha Media. Uh, so basically they have a bunch of different publications and I have to develop a system with which they can use like uh, large language models. And the issue is their editors won't be able to do any prompt engineering because they mm -hmm. just don't like it. And uh, they would just, rather than doing prompt engineering, they would just write the entire text themselves. So I have to set up a system where they just can uh, put their objective basically and the prompt engineering is happening completely in the background and then a finished text appears and that will be pretty fun because I have like so many restrictions for the different publications which have to be in the uh, different tones different like how they address the reader um, different degrees of difficulty different degrees of detail and stuff like that and so basically how I imagine it to be, I have to do like reverse prompt engineering where for existing texts, I try to build like a prompt library and reconstruct like the prompts and then uh, also construct examples for the prompts. Um, and based on that, I will build a recommendation system on top, which assembles from the different building blocks, a good prompt for the objective of the user. I've seen something like that, a repo, uh, like prompt engineering, but reverse kind of. I but need I, that. Yeah. So if you, if you can I, find I, it, I will speak again, I will send it to you, but I'm not sure how cool it is, how good it is, but it might be a starting point. We'll, it we'll be sick. Cool. Tim, your turn. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what I've been doing over the last, so. First of all, I moved back to Munich now. Hey. So um, nice. And now I'm yeah, basically wrapping up my internship and writing a paper right now. Um, yeah, but uh, it'll be over really, really soon. So <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, preparing to move back to uni full time. Cool. Nice. When are we gonna meet in Munich? Yeah, I'm back. I have a huge flat. Recording studio is ready. <laughs> Next meetup. How long are you in Istanbul for, Aki? Uh, I am coming back on Sunday. On Sunday. Okay. That's all yes. So we could do next week in person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it could work. Nice. should have time too actually cool that i asked <laughs> okay after that one we have to discuss topics because this is the last one of the first four yeah we, we can just basically talk about all of them one more time to cover uh whatever we want to cover additionally yeah just vibe and you can just cut it out oh my god you're gonna have so much bad times while editing this i I'm praying for you. <laughs> ah, no, that will be alright. I think my laptop is dying at the moment. Um, no, I just pulled up my research, and I don't know what the red th <laughs> the red dots are. this time I... recommend the systems because originally i wanted to go like into brewing but then i have to like expect that everyone knows how recommend a uh, recommender system work so i put recommender system before mm -hmm. so basically have you worked with recommender systems before any one of you basically kind of when i was at amazon but i don't think i'm allowed to talk about it in the podcast okay <laughs> Makes it interesting. Okay, do we have any? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's ask some stupid questions. Yeah. 
questions. <laughs> Do you have, does anyone have like any idea how they work? Maybe just like reflect it to me and then I will like correct you wherever you're wrong. I can imagine it has, I don't know, it has something to do with like graphs. Maybe, uh, can be, but not necessarily. Okay. Um, I don't know, but what, what kind of, what are you thinking about? Like the, the whole structure of a recommender, of a general recommender system? Or? Yeah, basically structure. So how is they, what data is flowing in, how is, how it is flowing through and what is coming out in the end. So like important parameters to look at and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. If Tim has worked at Amazon, he's probably, uh, he probably knows like what they look for, but I can just off the top of my head, I can imagine like click through rate, um, how long your time you spend on the page or something like that. Yeah, I can nice. also imagine some kind of embeddings, but. Embeddings is, is a good keyword, but I, I think it's easiest to just look at a, an example of a recommender system to, to talk about it, because then it's easier to visualize what the data is and so on. Yeah. I, I like to use TikTok for that because apparently their recommender system algorithm is, is really good. And I actually did an experiment on my, myself because I've never used TikTok before and I, um, I wanted to see what happens when I, I like download it and use it for an hour. Um, and like, um, TikTok is really good at doing real time recommendations. Like usually you have, um, a system, I don't know, YouTube or, um, Amazon recommendations for product and you accumulate data, for example, who, who clicks on, um, on the video, who clicks on a product, who actually buys a product and so on. And then you use that together with uh, other features of a user that you have, like the, the age and so on. Um, the, um, yeah, the gender, if that's available as a data point to recommend new instances of the things that you were looking through. And in TikTok, basically the data you have is, uh, okay, what, what are the initial interests of the users and then how long do they look at the video? And then in real time, they see, okay, so this, this person looked at, um, political videos for very long. So let's recommend them political videos. And then maybe if they like, they aren't interested in, in that, maybe there was something else in that video they liked. So it's, um, yeah, it, it, it kind of accumulates. It, it's, it can kind of, yeah, you can kind of see it like way of clustering the users then in the end, like you, you cluster them into, into groups that have certain interests, even though I, this is probably how, not how it's done today on, on a technical viewpoint, but there's a real good paper about from the creators of TikTok actually how they build their recommender system. Uh, but it mainly is a system architecture perspective because there what, what is really important like they need to train models in real time to predict what a user does because like it moves really fast like they don't they can't train it like overnight they need to train it on the fly, and for that they kind of have to sacrifice system reliability. Um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a whole other topic, but that's basically how recommender systems work. I would say. Does it, uh, like a quick, does it matter if it's, uh, what type of recommender system it is? Because like TikTok is a different, is a different business from like Amazon or something, but they both use recommender yeah. systems. So basically if you, if you jump back, you always for recommender system, it's independent of what type it is. It's always like two input data types, user data, and then you have like product data or item data. So in the case of TikToks, the items or products or videos in the case for, of Amazon, it's like actual products, like socks, uh, lotion and stuff like that. And then you have the user data and the user data can be quite diverse, like past purchase history for Amazon or like how long the, uh, the viewer on TikTok watched the video, did he like it and stuff like that. And both of these are used to go into like a recommender, a recommender function. And then you predict like for other items, how much would he like it based on the items you already looked at or how he, what his interest is. So this is a, like different components and each recommender system could either use 
go only for like user-based recommendations. And this means, okay, I'm looking for similar users like you are. So for example, um, based on your viewing history, we see that Tim and William, you have watched really similar videos on TikTok. And I will recommend just uh, to William videos that Tim already looked, but you didn't. This would be like a user-based recommender system. And then you can go like the other route where you go over the content side. Where you just say, okay, uh, these videos are really similar. And this can be based like on, on mostly it's on metadata of the video. It's like topic, maybe short descriptions, like count, popularity and stuff like that. And then I make like, it's really like a nearest neighbor search based on the content. And then I again go, okay, William, you looked at these videos. And for each of these videos, I look for the most similar ones. And then you get recommended the most similar uh, content. And, but you also can mix these message, uh, these methods. So you can go like use both and that's like collaborative filtering. And that's mostly, uh, you, you are always like in an embedding space and you embed user and content, throw them in like a vector space and look which users and contents are close to each other and then match them based on that. Was it understandable? I am looking in empty faces. Yeah, no, I, I had, um, yeah, no, I forgot my question. Maybe it comes again. Yeah. And basically you have like different types. It's all like the relationship and user data. Basically you have like user behavior, user demographic data, like age, uh, what are his interests and stuff like that. And then the product attribute data. And based on that, you have like three types of relationship, user product, user, user relationships and product, product relationships and how these are connected. And basically you're abusing how they are connected to recommend similar items. He's already interested in. And how much, um, how much exploring versus exploiting is it here? Because I, I don't use TikTok, but I use like YouTube and they, uh, you know, they're rolling out more and more of these YouTube shorts nowadays. So like if I watch a lot of, um, I don't know, music stuff, uh, football and uh, I don't know, Joe Rogan videos, something like that, that pop up. And then when I'm new to the site, it feels like they just exploiting every single like click that i'm using basically or like how long if i if i my first video would be about golf they would literally show me like 90 percent golf stuff at the beginning and then more and more they kind of explore new topics to see if i like um that like i don't know if you have any insights on what's the strategy here to kind of capture people so yeah there's usually something that's called warm-up time um and if i remember that paper from tiktok correctly um it, like in the beginning as you said like you know nothing user hasn't watched a single video for, for like intuitively for me it wouldn't be wise to directly start exploiting like from the first video on because it's likely you won't only like golf videos if you clicked on clicked on them once um and like in the beginning like in the first five clicks or so still you don't know a lot so you maybe you have some initial data about the user um and you can like exploit based on that but not directly start using um the, the, the click values. I, I think you need a certain amount of, of um, user interactions with the website until you can make good recommendations. So you usually have some starting phase of the algorithm and after that it goes into like normal operation. So but after a while it converges to X amount of topics that I like and then maybe it does a little exploring to see if I all of a sudden like MMA videos or something like that. Yeah. So for me, YouTube seems more like for me, like a reinforcement learning algorithm that they are using is something called an epsilon greedy policy. So basically they're recommending, um, a certain percentage of videos, which is just like additional stuff, which you could like, which are out there. 
but uh, always I like occasionally or like every two weeks when I got down to a YouTube rabbit hole, I have to like wipe my YouTube history because otherwise I cannot control myself. And <clears throat> well, it's always the same way. I start out like completely fresh where it's like nearly only recommendation, uh, all the recommendations are from my subscriptions. And then over time, they throw in a few videos, I click on them, which I could like, and then it goes more and more into this direction. And once they figured it out, like, I'm interested in that, I only get that stuff. And the last time was like, for example, Andrew Schultz, the comedian, and I only got on my feed, only Andrew Schultz videos, and that's it. And a few other comedians. So it seems like they are starting to, uh, like Tim already said, they first start out like really restricted to your already to the data they have about you. Then they throw in a few random stuff until they have a little bit of data uh, about you. And once they hit like a critical mass of data, they really zero you in into like a content niche again. But, but this is actually pretty dangerous in my opinion. Um, and this is like a lot of criticism um, from politicians or like like society in general towards big tech companies was that this happens because okay in youtube it might not be that bad but okay you could still like get pulled into some political niche but on twitter for example you would at some point only get recommended one opinion because you like that opinion um and that might be dangerous because you you, you think only like you, you live in your own world essentially um, and also from the uh, technology company's point of view, um, pulling you into this this one niche or like um, not, not like stopping you from moving out quickly could also be a problem because there's something that's called concept drift, um, which you have on TikTok pretty strongly that because like you only show users like really short videos. It's mostly about what they're interested right now and turns out that humans interests change also over the course of 20 minutes or so that you might start with a certain topic and then maybe hey you see something in that video and you find that interesting from now on so the algorithm needs to be able to adjust to your change in um, behavior and this is really from what i figured out this concept drift on the very short horizon this is like one of the golden arts of recommender systems being able to do that um, because like you you need to like learn really quickly with limited data um, and you kind of need to move away from what the user likes right now so this you, you, you can't be as as like yeah secure staying that that one minimum um, so yeah this this is quite interesting i think I think it's also important how much warm-up time you have to, um, like when, when you talked about uh, TikTok, for example, I also downloaded it at some point uh, because my friends were using it. And the warm-up time was kind of long, in my opinion. Uh, and I was seeing a lot of irrelevant videos. And at the end of, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes i was like okay whatever i'm not gonna uh take this bullshit anymore so i just deleted the app um i think it's also interesting how they uh come up with the warm-up time or is it something that is fixed and they need to collect that data for some time i don't know one hour and then uh it will work or maybe for some people it's it's shorter i don't know yeah um, and so the the conceptual drift i think is quite interesting i'm not sure what algorithm tiktok uses but one which is quite common is contextual bandits which take like the current state of the world into account so basically trending topics and they are trying to do that by random uh, they have like initiation phase for each video so they show each video that is posted to a set of users and if the metrics are good, um, despite the users uh, haven't like really went into the topic and stuff, they boost that video up like crazy. And then it's like spread more and more. And then the ratings are great. And by that, they can really quickly adjust to like new topics which are trending or new in the world. And that's 
also an interesting aspect why it's why TikTok is so viral because like one video can explode like crazy in a matter of minutes. You know, it would be interesting to imagine you have a quantitative trading firm, and that credit trading firm also has um something has a website like YouTube where they can essentially um have real-time access towards how people are feeling about certain concepts in the world and then kind of kind of connect that i think that would be really powerful because there's something i think in uh in like i mean trading in the end is also somewhat of a recommender system you want to recommend stocks to the traders that will perform well and to do that i think there's something that's called sentiment analysis um where some some firms look at twitter data and so on to like really see what what people like but here with 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 recommenders this like if you really have access to like youtube or whatever or the raw data what people click on you can have the most most the, the fastest um and and like best representation of that, that data so i think if you have multiple um yeah products doesn't only uh yeah isn't that's not only uh, contained to like trading algorithms but the more data the better if you're like watching people and how they interact with the world and you want to see how current events influence them i believe that having many different data sources is really important i can imagine that was going on in 2021 when you know the the instagram accounts like wall street bets and everything were hyping um like cryptocurrency and nfts and certain stocks that were going to the moon and everything like that and uh, you had to have diamond hands and whatever it was but like if you weren't on instagram you would probably not have noticed this or like other social media accounts yeah. but if you were like trading firms and you knew that this group of people they are right now just buying and buying and buying maybe then it's a yeah. good thing to utilize or something like that just in yeah, maybe in general from from like more of the finance perspective um that's really relevant for areas where the market is like more inefficient where there aren't like so many professionals because most professional investors you have like hedge funds um or like even bigger institutions like um the retirement funds and stuff like that and they have a really long time horizon so they invest in stocks which they believe they will the companies will be around for ages and they won't sell it doesn't matter that's why you see like all the wall street bet stuff is on stocks which are really well represented and stuff like that and also in the in etfs so the index funds they are the like the largest stockholder in the biggest companies so you won't see like any anything like that like big price movements in the bigger companies there are some exceptions for example like tesla or something like yeah that, that people would invest in still but yeah i see what you mean but tesla is one of the companies which has like one of the biggest ownerships from like rookie investors from like noobs and stuff no. and not so much institutional coverage in relation and the like non if when the stock is less covered by institutions the market is in theory like less efficient and then there is like more potential for like algorithmic trading because you basically can abuse the people who aren't as experienced and <clears throat> that's really interesting there's actually like one quant firm who does that but you can't invest in that because they have been so successful that they only invest their own money. And apparently they have like returns beyond 30% and only have like one losing year in a 40 year history. I was, um, another point that I had was about this, um, when we talked about like, periodicals and like newspapers and political uh, more like twitter and stuff like that when you recommend because recommending on like amazon or something like that is not too harmful i can imagine i mean unless you're really exploiting someone's feeling like buying and buying and buying until you no longer have any kind of financial substance or something like that but on twitter when you 
get people. I can imagine that these recommended systems, like the, the, they can be harmful in the sense that they teach people not to be so open-minded about stuff, like to not necessarily explore other views or something like that. For example, like let's say climate change. I mean, most people are quite certain that this is uh, like a fact, but like to what degree some people might, um, you know, argue on, for example, or other topics like that. But if you have a recommender system that kind of pushes you into a corner saying like it's it's going to end the world literally in like five years or it's going to be more than 100 years. I think... It's it, that's it's a really challenging topic. I think you have to differentiate between like is the platform here to like entertain or is it to like inform and build opinions? And like most platforms live on that scale, like somewhere in between. But I think like for example, Netflix is way far on the entertainment side. So it doesn't, if their recommender system goes like wild into like right wing stuff and recommends shit no harm no foul the user won't really care maybe they cancel their netflix subscription but no one builds their opinion on that but i think like stuff like twitter it gets more like in the direction yeah people often expect that the, it's true what's written on there and it really builds and forms their opinions about the world and there i think you have to be really careful about what you recommend and stuff like that but also what you censor because it's still freedom of speech and it's it's like a tightrope it's like where do you where do you put the line and it's like at the moment i feel like it's mostly arbitrary but i think what twitter is doing now if i'm not mistaken is that they still show all the content unless it's illegal content but they put emphasis on how they weigh the kind of how much it's shown on the platform like if it's the more it's blocked by people, the less it's shown, for example, or the more people like unfollow this person or something like that. And I, I think it was recently people were exploiting this by blocking, like they gathered in groups and like were blocking certain statements so that it wouldn't pop up on the on p other people's news feeds. So I guess that's a, is a very tricky balance to, to have because you might just have a, group of people then who just know that okay if we block this person like from our accounts basically this he or she is not going to get any views or something like that or less views you kind of add a new dimension to this freedom of speech topic right because still people will be able to find the statement if it's like not showed by, shown by the um, recommender system but it'll be harder to find it and in traditional freedom of speech like for example in like it was uh, defined in the u.s constitution people didn't have internet or recommender systems they were able to present themselves in public and were able to say what they wanted to say but it didn't that much have this component of another entity which isn't like really addressed by the speech but which kind of moderates the speech to distribute what what they say so you now not only have this censoring component but also this how how many people will see it component and to be honest like there i believe we will see rec regulations really really soon um because this is something so important to um political parties and states that it won't be untouched because it's essentially a component of freedom of speech which isn't in the hand of uh, a state and uh, how it is regulated will be incredibly tricky in my opinion i mean there will be states like china for for those it'll be pretty pretty clear but how about the european union how about the us i believe a certain amount of regulation will be necessary but i personally haven't figured out how much there because you still want to have to give the businesses the, the freedom to uh, build their website how they want to. But then again, like if, if Twitter now turns around like from one second to the other only recommends certain political views to like on the short term really influence a lot of people that might be really problematic. Um, how, what do you think about all that? 
it's i'm not sure because i think if you push content out of a platform you push it to like the fringes and by that you guarantee there's only people like that on the platform and you don't see anything else anymore and so for example there is like a well-known i think in america there's like a right-wing social network like bright bright i'm not sure what it's called and if you push like all the right-wing content even if it's like far right but still like okay ish um out of twitter you guarantee that all these people will go to look for people like themselves somewhere else and i'm not sure whether that's like the thing you want because it might just make them more extreme because they only see stuff like that and they are like validated in their opinions because they it seems like all other people they interact with share the same opinion i think the goal should be like always an intercourse between different opinions and an open dialogue which would be like the ideal world that you try to come together and form an opinion together and try to discuss about the differences and stuff like that and i think like something like twitter has an opportunity to to enable this dialogue but it's just not how it works because people just start trolling start like insulting each other and stuff like that i feel like trolling is like the joker here of like humor is very difficult to account for in a sense like you don't it's difficult to know the sentiment of the the author of the post or something like that it's like yeah. All the all the contacts you have in the real world, like the non-verbal cues, like how he's looking, is he smirking like a schmuck and stuff like that is just missing. So, uh, like on a tangent, what which which uh, service has the best recommender system, in your opinion? <laughs> I've never used Twit- uh, TikTok, but just based on like how many people are using it and the usage data. Yeah, but like in your like which one are you most satisfied with i mean tiktok maybe maybe it's great i i just like i have other social media accounts so i just don't spend time on it but it's it's, it's really bad for me it's because i i have like no social media on my phone and stuff i only use it on my laptop just because i think most recommendation systems in social networks by now are on a level that you just get sucked in that that's why i try to avoid them at all costs um and for me the the most interesting one or where i discover like for me the most useful stuff is at the moment substack i think they really stepped it up with the recommendations of other essays i'm getting um but that's what i'm like focused on getting like better and more information and that's like it's like i really like the recommendation engine because it feels like at least some kind of useful and but in general i would say it's probably either instagram or tiktok because they the data they get is just way more frequent and the interaction time is like shorter so they have more and better data so they rec- can recommend better stuff and also can react faster to like context shifts in the world I, I feel like I need to give TikTok another chance. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I was not very happy with TikTok's recommendation algorithm, but like everyone is very much happy about it uh, because it's uh, obviously very quick, but yeah, I couldn't experience that. Um, I think Instagram is um, nice in that sense. Um, on Twitter, I always experienced the, the AI influencers uh, on my feed because I, I'm like uh, following researchers, following many people from the AI field, liking those tweets or re- retweeting them. And somehow I'm also getting those AI influencers tweets like, check this thread and they're hyping up some random thing without knowing what is going on underneath. And um, yeah, it, it, the, the algorithm recommends me those, and that's, for example, very annoying. But at, at the same time, the context is the same, so how can you get rid of it? I'm not sure, but yeah. 
that's recently my experience but i think it's really interesting that twitter is like so over indexed on the content that's in your subscribers rather than anything else maybe it's because like no one is giving likes on on like twitter that you don't have like the interaction data where you can recommend like new data and like judging the reading time is also pretty difficult and because it's like just where are you on the screen and just are you really watching on your laptop or is just the laptop open and he is like sitting on a portion of Twitter? Mm-hmm. And while on TikTok, it's pretty obvious if he's like on the video and then swipes after a second or something like that, he's on his phone and he is, uh, he watched the video. That's why the ch- that's like one of the biggest challenge in recommendation system. It's like the implicit feedback from the user because it is only positive feedback. So for example, how long did he watch? And if he instantly swipes like further, is it can be accidental. How, where do you place the cutoff time? Like, for example, is it good that a video is like, he looks longer than six seconds, seven seconds, and before it's bad and stuff like that. That's really difficult to tailor out. That's why it's the recommendation system on Twitter. I think it's pretty hard to manage. For me, the Twitter recommendation system is pretty good because I started um, just blocking people who use this exploding head emoji, and I don't get any more AI influencers. And now I only have the stuff that I had before, basically. So we kind of learned because I was able to give negative feedback there. Um, and oh. <laughs> negative feedback, yeah, as you said, Nico, I think this is like really important. Like, this really did the job for me on Twitter. Um, but maybe I'm just just imagining it, like, <laughs> but it, it, somehow it seems to have worked. And I also heard that uh, TikTok has the best recommender system, but I only tried it out for like an hour, and like, I I wasn't a, a huge fan of the content. Like, I'm also not sure whether we are the target group on the yeah. of the content which is like popular on TikTok, which is like I think like people dancing um <laughs> it's like i'm stereotyping tiktok users but it's like people yeah, dancing in cookie cool. videos is all i saw so far on tiktok yeah I, I, at some point i just got politics videos where like okay i'm interested in politics but they're also like not that like i don't want to learn about politics in 20 second video clips because that just doesn't work like that's not how, how how it works right and you'll always have like very very short and biased opinions likely and yeah tiktok seems to work and instagram also like it, it's good at sucking you in let's put it like that so i want i was thinking that when you guys were discussing it because you had a lot of the good ones like I th- like I don't know TikTok. I haven't used it, uh, but I, from what I hear, it's good. Also addictive, um, and I feel like I get the same experience with Instagram a bit because I, what I do is that I delete Instagram during the week and then I download it like maybe during the weekend mm-hmm. uh, to just check. I don't know uh, something, but it's really like it sucks you in like immediately if you go if especially if you go on the explore page yeah like that's crazy i find like it just hits yeah. your dop- dopamine receptors like every second basically um so it's not it's not my favorite because it's so addictive i find um i like youtube the best i feel like they they are doing quite a good job with the videos like you can watch the longer ones and the shorter ones and they recommend like i you know it's like when you close the app do you feel better afterwards or like you know, worse. I feel like with Instagram, it's a bit 50-50 sometimes. And with YouTube, it's usually positive, I think. Um, but then, yeah, sorry. Um, like, does it, is it about the recommender system uh, quality or is it because of the the, the quality of the yeah um, social media? Because YouTube is uh, also, in my opinion, like you can find uh very quality stuff you can learn new things but on instagram it's like more of a trash content uh very uh quickly consumable so yeah. i that, yeah, that, that, that probably plays a part in 
doing this, but it's like I, you know, now when they have started to roll out shorts videos, I actually watch that quite a lot. Uh, but, you know, maybe it's the video content, but it's also like the videos they recommend. They are quite interesting sometimes and they play for like a minute or something like that, which is which is yeah, fine for most of the time. Um, and then the third one that I thought about was LinkedIn recommendation system. I don't think that it's so good. Like, I, especially when you're looking for like, if you like do job hunts or something like that, or you look for what, just what's out there, I feel like they recommend you stuff that are not always suitable. Even though, like yeah. you know, they probably show you all all of what's out there, but then also the posts. Like, I don't know how many times you know on LinkedIn there are these LinkedIn influencers that most people probably think are very annoying, but don't really comment it under because it's a professional social media <laughs> type of thing. It is. I'm triggered so often on LinkedIn yeah, to just go true. like really yeah. am in the comments. And you don't want to be that professional who is like passive aggressive saying like, get the fuck off my... <laughs> That's not passive aggressive. That's aggressive yeah, aggressive. Like in uh, with other wording, but it's they recommend a lot of these type of posts because they get a lot of likes, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I think... maybe it's because they get a lot of reactions, you know, generally, but yeah. I just feel like I don't need it, it on my feet. That. Like that, I, I'm really asking myself too, like mainly like so there's really, really cringe posts that you sometimes see. I only get them in my timeline, but I never get it with like, xyz reacted to this but i just get them under some hashtag yeah. i'm not even following yeah that's Maybe for me because we europeans are so crude and pretentious so we don't want to see it and then there are other cultures where they love this type of you know i can imagine i, I mean it's like it's maybe maybe that's it i don't know so for me on linkedin i i have like curated people who i'm following i try to unfollow like everyone that i like mostly no in real life so i don't get the content they are liking because i'm just not interested in it because i follow mostly researchers and ai on linkedin and i want to see their posts because that's for me one way to just stay updated in the field and it's it, like you said the hashtags and stuff like i i can't even figure out how all the like pop culture content on linkedin makes it to my feed yeah but we've we're probably also biased because you know we, we love the ai stuff that pops up there and then everything else that we are not working with we're not really interested in so that, that could also be for something maybe something just because it's uh, something i would need right now do you know of any like recommendation system and stuff for like research papers especially like new ones twitter oh, like really this is when yeah. i work at the the institute like i i use not to have Twitter and used to do the same thing as you follow AI research on LinkedIn. But once you go to Twitter and really block all the AI influencers and just like start with some important AI researchers or some papers of the week things, and then your Twitter becomes so pure and they're nice papers and you, you get up to date and you, you only see the word chat GPT in every second post. Um, this is actually, um, pretty cool like i was like completely blown away how much better i, I actually heard that i can um, kind of also um, agree to this that i heard that uh, twitter is a good place to find those type of things but maybe there will be new plugins that uh, speed up this um, search um there is uh, one website called research rabbit i'm not sure of it it's um like you you give it a paper that you like or like it's about your topic and it's creating graphs um out of related uh papers and you can just scroll through and check those papers too so that you can create some kind of a graph neural network uh, on the fly um that's also cool nice yeah i would just love to have like something which is like a weekly email which just sends me the top five new and maybe like one or two old papers uh, from in the research field, which I'm subscribing to, and that's it. More, I, I just want that. And that's basically it. Just to have like a constant stream of new papers, which are the top new papers which are coming in. 
uh, to stay updated because at the moment it's so much work to just uh, to follow like the top researchers and Google alerts. Then my email inbox is just basically Google alerts. Yeah. Yes, the, the, this this account is also super nice. I'm also following this one. One newsletter that I like, by the way, is the Medium newsletter that recommend you like some cool stuff. Like if you want to read like a one article in the morning or something like that, like quickly, it's not that bad. I find. But there are probably better ones. So maybe I just haven't yeah, explored them. I I think Medium can also work really well. Uh, like mm. I I think sometimes like Medium it really depends. I somehow like for me Medium's recommender system. I don't think it's great to be honest like i mm. don't get a lot of good con but i know that there's good content on it that's the thing maybe yeah. I maybe it's the same thing there with youtube that. like they have good content on the page or more good content than bad so then it's easier to have a good recommender system no yeah and basically uh, because of my twitter i i never get going twitter um i basically i don't have any follows i only have lists of people which I'm following, but I'm only going in there if I have like something specific I know that's in there because someone wrote about it once, and then I'm going in there. But I, I would never. It, Twitter is just not part of like my day and my workflow and my habits. I never go in there. Yeah, I think if you just see it as you say, okay, I'll be on Twitter for five minutes every morning reading through the latest new paper tweets. I think then you can do it like if you aren't like it can also suck you in unfortunately nice. in general i think so with recommender systems it's really important what the engineers optimize them for because you can build a recommender system that just maximizes time spent on your website and if you do that i would suggest that you're not building the best thing for your user because if your user like if you have something like like the users use for entertainment or for information information search just making them stay really really long can like maybe give them like you can maybe give them very short dopamine mind kicks so they stay on the website but they might not actually get what they want and then they, they close the app they feel exhausted and so on i think everyone mm -hmm knows this feeling like for, for those type of use cases for example netflix and like streaming services and gaming i mean there i see why they would want people to just stay on the yeah. platform and consume as much as possible yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. um and you usually go there because you want to watch something like that but when you go on like instagram i feel like that's different that's not entertainment necessarily they are social mediums which is a different thing but they have i don't i don't know like i'm out on deep water here but it feels like they have similar recommendation systems just to keep you on the platform and i guess yeah. that's so that you are exposed to as many ads as possible basically yeah for me it's i really dislike the combination of recommendation systems and feeds because it's only designed to keep you scrolling. For me, a recommendation system, the goal of a recommendation system should be to get me as fast as possible to the content that's relevant to me. And most of the time, it's just like, okay, if I'm in the, for example, in the Instagram, I scroll, I scroll, I scroll until I finish like the people I'm interested in. For something like TikTok, uh, I don't know about that, but for something like Twitter, like only give me the five, six, seven, ten pieces of content that are relevant and that's it. Yeah. I don't want anything else. And that's for me, recommendation systems, you can apply them to anything that's like options, filtering or searching. But it's for me, the relevant stuff should be on top. And that's like feeds aren't the best like interaction pattern you should use for that. I would actually pay for a social network that doesn't try to suck you in or like any website essentially that is doing exactly what you described, like giving you the relevant information. And if they don't find the relevant information, tell you, hey, 
we didn't find the relevant information here the three best things that you might be interested at but don't like don't keep scrolling and things like that like i, I think recommendation system mental health is a very relevant skill in today's world which you have to acquire because the systems try to suck you in um and i, I think everyone deals with it like in in their own way i know many people who just like you, you you said william uninstall um instagram or like only like limit their screen time and so on but this is feels like the users have to solve a problem that the comp or like that the product should solve but of course it's hard to argue because like companies make money with you spending time there so like why should they build in so it would be nice to have somewhat of an incentive but i really don't know how this this could be done yeah i think like the biggest issue is that ads is like a business model that is driven on like content uh, like time on site and that's like where feeds come in so you need like an other monetization strategy but i think we are so deep into like the digital products are free rabbit hole that for it won't be like any way out of the feed stuff or like monetization over ads find pretty cool is like okay i'm not sure if it works would work on the phone but imagine you had everything on your browser you went to all the, the websites um on your browser and imagine those websites had an api where you could like like as as like a browser plugin see what data was shown or, or whatever to, to actually have a product that many people install on their machines that kind of acts as a layer between different social media sites and you as a user um to maybe maybe this will be a new plugin for like the big llms and gpt4 and stuff like that that you kind of type in like what you want to be shown to you so that you can avoid as much unnecessary screen time as possible and it would kind of give you a summarized like with a link to or like just I don't know, generate a little storyline of what Nico has been up to today based on his Instagram kind of presence or something like that, like using generative AI, like then, then I can get like the short version of five seconds and I know it and I can just. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that's actually a really, really nice, nice idea there. But I, I believe actually that a much simpler way would also like do the job, like just accessing the posts that are relevant to the person like a top level recommender system then then people can pay for that maybe yeah but i feel like we're as you said also i feel like we're too deep into it so i don't know like even if there would be another there, there, there might even be another social network out there that kind of promotes mental health and just like but you never you would never hear about it because the other ones are just too big and they um and exploit people's attention too much also i i i can imagine that being the, the tension or the friction here like why there are no social networks that promote this so i i've i pulled out like all the social networks <laughs> um i think like all the stuff it's it's basically i think it's restriction based i think like be real is the example everyone knows where you can just like have you have one photo a day, which you're posting, which is supposed to capture you like in a real moment, how you really are and stuff like that. And you just post it, which is like, everyone is on the app at the same time, because everyone po is posting at the same time, which is pretty nice. And then that's it. Basically, you don't open the app for the rest of the day. And in, in theory, it sounds nice. In practice, I'm not sure how the company will monetize it because like just the number of ads you can show in that time will be like pretty restrictive. The app is free at the moment. So like saying, okay, I will do it like a premium feature, uh, won't really be possible without like a drop of huge number count. So it will be really challenging. Mm. But one, one I really like actually is the, the cappuccino, um, where you basically, you have like groups and everyone shares uh, like a voice memo at the same time what they are doing at the moment or what they are up to and then you get like from your friends you get like a, a like a podcast like updates what everyone is up to which is for me it's really cool 
and that's like for me it's like that's what instagram is for at the moment just to kind of follow what people are doing in general but i think the cappuccino solves it like more elegant elegantly because instagram for me it's like i always have to show like the best version of myself it's just like completely unrealistic because it's like no one lives the way they're living on their instagram um and i would just like the the real aspect i would like it more and for me i love audio content because it just can plug in my earphones i listen to it and i'm done that's so nice i didn't know that 